We want to welcome our viewing audience to the Word Ministry of our Providence Worshiping Arts Center, 3343 Highway 341 North in Jessup, Georgia. Worship Friday nights at 7, soon to come Sunday. Don't know what time yet, but on Sunday. And um, we want you to come, and uh, we hope that you enjoy the Word that we bring, and it has been a blessing to you, and keep those cards and letters coming, okay? Now... Let's get right to it. I told you earlier that the Lord has put, he, he put a phrase on my heart this week, and I wondered how it would all mix up and how it would all come together. And when I began reading the passage, I got the concordance out, and I looked up. I thought I knew about where the phrase was, but when I got the concordance and looked it up, I said, oh, my gosh. It stirred up memories of my past life. Now, it's in the book of Revelation, and I'm going to confess to you, I am probably the world's worst uh, analyst and commentator and uh, revelator or expositor of the book of Revelation. I learned many, many years ago you can get in trouble in a hurry. Okay, that's the first lesson I learned. second lesson I learned is when any of my pastors used to get up and they would say, we're going to preach out of Revelation, usually they were going to preach on one of the seven churches and you just knew by virtue of your experience that you were going to take a beating that Sunday. Because he had a burr under his saddle about something that had went wrong at the church maybe a week or a month or been going on for a while. And he's going to set things straight because he had a biblical model of whatever the problem was contained in one of the seven churches. And I would just cringe. Whew. Now, I will say this in response to that. I do not. You hear me? I do not take the word and whip people with it. I ain't going to do that. And you just need to be aware of that. I'm not going to whip you with what I'm about to say. But it may stir up memories from your previous life. And if it does, in Jesus' name, I just pray you be delivered from that. Because contained in the word of the Lord to one of the seven churches tonight, there's a phrase I'm going after, and contained in that passage of Scripture is the key to your freedom from whatever has got hold of you. And if you've listened to everything that's went on, and you listen to this, and you receive it by virtue of the Spirit of the Lord, the one who inspired it and had it penned, then you're going to be a lot better off when you leave this place than you were when you came. And it is, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I believe it's going to set the stage for you and for this ministry in 2009. But remember, I told you earlier, that the thing that's going to set you free is truth. And the receipt of that truth and the application of it, responding to the truth. Okay? So just grab a hold of that. Revelation chapter 3. Beginning in verse 1, we'll read down through verse 6. The church at Sardis. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write. Angel, of course, means messenger. Most people interpret that as pastor. Okay. These things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. 
I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you're dead. Sardis is known as the dead church. Let me ask you a question. Just a knee-jerk response. Why do you think they were dead? It said they had a name and was alive, but they were dead. Why just a knee-jerk response? Why do you think they were dead? Huh? They didn't do anything. What else? No right or wrong answer. Let's just knee-jerk this thing before we read the passage. Just kind of get a handle where we are. Didn't do anything. What else? They were no longer connected. They were no, no longer connected to the vine. What else? Religion and not relationship. What else? Huh? They left their first love. And what else? They were hearers and not doers. Anything else? Knee jerk? Why they would be a dead church? Maybe they weren't charismatic, okay? Maybe they weren't Pentecostal. Maybe they were some other brand of religion that just sat there and looked at the preacher. <laughs> We've done talked about that, haven't we? Let's read this thing. They had a name. They were alive, but in reality they were dead. How would you like to have that on your marquee, people? The dead church. <laughs> Boy, we wouldn't put that on this blinky sign out here by 341, would we? Boy, if we put something on a sign concerning us, it'd be something about live and prophetic and uh, um, spontaneous and dance and someone put talking tongues or all that kind of good stuff, you know. I mean, we put something out there that would catch attention because we do not want to be known as a dead church. Okay. <laughs> I just love going down the road reading signs of churches. <laughs> And Janie and I, we, 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 it's sort of a game. It's sort of, it's sort of an entertainment with us, actually. Right down the road, we see these signs, and you think, we, we talk, what does that say to a sinner? Now, if you were a sinner, would you want to go in a church that had on the marquee outside, be sure your sins will find you out? Ha, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and ride down the road and we'll read a caption and we'll say, what does that mean? You know, we've been in church since we were two weeks old. One week. One week. I, okay, one week. I skipped my first week. Actually, I went to my second week. So she's been going to church one week longer than I have. But we, you know, what make, does this make sense? I mean, we don't even understand the stuff on some of these marquees. And almost, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit of sarcasm on my point, and I have a lot of that, and I need to get delivered of it. But maybe in some of these places, you know, where they talk about being alive or having something exciting or this, that, or the other, you're thinking, I don't think so. You know? Because if you've got to toot your own horn, usually the, the sound and... and the melody is off key. But I'm going to tell you something, y'all. There's something on every church's marquee that the Lord himself has written. And a lot of times it's the truth and it hurts. 
But you know what the glory of that is? Guess who can change that? It's the folks on the inside. Every church has license every day to change whatever it is the Lord has said about the church that's on the marquee that he sees from heaven. Isn't that good? Now see, isn't that a good way to start this message off? Let's go a little further here. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain. There was my phrase. I've been hearing all week, strengthen the things that remain. Strengthen the things that remain. I have heard it in my sleep. I've heard it when I've talked to people. I've heard it when I've been sitting in the recliner trying to be spiritual with my eyes closed. Strengthen the things that remain. Watch this. That are ready to die. Now see, I didn't get that part till I got the concordance and looked this up. For I have not found your works perfect before God. The word perfect means actually it's incomplete. Which, and, and, and the Lord is saying to the church here, I have found your works incomplete. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. Let's stop right there. I'm going to get right to the core of what I think by reading all this was the problem at Sardis. The church at Sardis for one reason or another, and I've, I've got two, two possible reasons. For one reason or another, the church at Sardis had stopped receiving. And they had stopped hearing. Did you hear that? They had stopped receiving and they had stopped hearing because the word to the church was, Remember. Remember, therefore, how you, have re- how you have received and heard. So they were no longer receiving or hearing. Why? Well, if you read a little bit further, you'll find out that, that one reason was because of their sin. Whatever it was. Another reason is, now remember, they had a name and they were alive, but they were dead. They were doing something, Okay. They were not just holed up somewhere doing nothing. They had a name, they had a reputation, and they were alive. They were doing something. They had some kind of a program, but they were dead. So I, I have a hypothesis here, okay? Sort of a, a guess at number two reason why uh, they were a dead church, and that is uh, the activities they involved themselves in, they left God out of it altogether. Uh, it, it, they, 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 and, and I guess today in our, in our phraseology or the way we would say things, they had, they had a program. They had programs, but the master of the whole plan had been left out. Because I'm going to tell you, he was not with them anymore. He had left the planet. And they were still going on, still having church. They were still singing, they were still dancing, they were still talking in tongues, they were still getting together, they still had church, but God was gone. 
Now, when God leaves, you're dead. It's over. And whatever life you can generate is just, it comes strictly and 100% out of your flesh or your imagination. One of the two. So they had stopped receiving and they had stopped hearing. And they were encouraged to go back to that. Remember, way back yonder, what you had received that just, that was genuine and that thrilled you and that give you energy and vitality to go forward in a walk of faith. Remember those days? Remember when the apostles would come through on their journeys and their circuits and the prophets and the evangelists. Remember the day when they brought the word to you and you absolutely totally rejoiced in it because it was true and it pierced your heart and it blessed you. It instigated change in your life and it it built you up in the faith. Remember those days. Remember what they were. Stir up your minds. See, they'd let their mind go. And they had engaged their mind also in other activities and the word was just going... It was like a wild proton and a loose neutron. Just going all over the place. But he says, be watchful. Here's the way you recover. You be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. So see, they had a lot of death, but there 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 was still something left. And if you read on down a little bit further, maybe we need to do this. Uh, Let's see. You have a few names, verse 4, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments... And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. So there was a remnant in Sardis who was walking in righteousness and who was walking in holiness. And the Lord knew who they were, and they were wearing white robes. They were pure before Him. Okay? Now, you still have a few of those who have not defiled their garments and who shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. I mean, the Lord had already determined that this group of people, these individuals, were going to walk with Him. Okay, but now watch this. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. So there was a little spark left in Sardis that the Lord recognized and he he commended. And he said, they're going to walk with me. And then the rest, he said this. If you will only overcome, you'll be clothed in white. You see, that was the promise that he made to those who had lost their life energy. They had lost being controlled and dominated and moving to the Spirit. They had lost their connection, as Carol said. They had lost the relationship. So there were some people there, they were, it was a done deal, they were going to walk with the Lord. But to everybody else, he said, if you'll overcome, you'll walk with me. Boy, now that's a lot of comfort to somebody who's going through all kinds of hell, ain't it? Okay? Once you, you, you folks here, I'm going to just tell you something. Uh, you... you uh, you don't, you don't get a flowery three-point message here 
even in the, even in the sermons or the music, we're, we're, we tell you right where we live. And we'll, we'll be transparent before you. And if there's something icky going on in our lives, you're going to know about it pretty quick because we have found that there's strength in transparency and accountability. But this thing here, <laughs> the only way they could get their, their, their life back would be to overcome. And somebody who's being kicked around by the devil to hear the Lord say, all you got to do is overcome and you'll get a white garment just like the remnant has and like I promised them all the time. Even though you've lost life, they've had it all the time. So what you got to do is you just got to overcome. Oh boy. Joy, joy, joy. I don't know if that, what I'm about to say will be a revelation to you or not, but I'm going to tell you something that changed my life this week. How do you overcome? By the blood of the Lamb and the word of a testimony. That's right. That's true. But I think there's another application here. All right. Let's think a minute. How many of you, you'll have to raise your hand. Okay. I'll tell you my deal, but you ain't got to tell yours if you don't want to. It's totally voluntary. How many of you have been in an emotional tailspin for a few years? This gets worse. How many of you have financial difficulties? How many of you have tension in your relationships with your spouse or your kids and you don't know what to do? How many of you are confused and depressed all the time? How many of you just feel like you're a doormat and you've been stepped on and stomped on and wiped on all week, all day, even in your night? You can't get rest from it because you've got these dreams at night about you being a doormat. Okay, like I said before, I know a lot of you, and I'm, I didn't use my prophetic gift, but y'all tell me about all your stuff, and so I know where you're at, so I'm not even trying to pretend to be some prophet here, but I'm telling you, I know what you're going through. I get emails and phone calls and conversations all the time, and I know where you're at, most of you anyway. You know, I would just, you want to go ahead and give you the secret of this whole thing, how to be an overcomer and have a white garment and walk with the Lord? You're going to hate me for this. I mean, you're really going to hate me for this. You know what's required? Sticking it out. It is so blatantly simple. Stick it out. The way you overcome is to outlast the enemy. You think you're going to die any minute, but you've been in this hellhole for probably five years, but you're going to die any minute. Okay? Oh, Jesus, Lord, come take me. I don't know how much more of this I can stand. Will you please bring the apocalypse today? Oh, listen. Oh, for the rapture. Oh, God, just come take me home. I can't stand no more of this. Been saying that for years. And you're still here. You thought about that lately? Hadn't had any money for six months, but you're still eating. You got a roof over your head. You can get places. Isn't that amazing? I looked in my little change cup holder thing today. I, that's my lunch money. Y'all heard me talk about this before. I looked in that thing today, 
got two trucks now in my old truck that's got a cup holder, a big one. I looked at my, I moved my stuff out, I went to pick it up from the shop, and it's, it's still not working, it's still tore up, but I had to use it anyway. But I got looking at my change thing, and do you know how much money was in that change thing? It was three quarters of the way full of quarters. I forgot I left them in there. And my point here is this. It's still there. It's not going anywhere. The secret, if, if you feel like you have stopped receiving and you feel like you've stopped hearing and you feel like you have lost your life and all your energy and your faith is gone and you don't have a white robe anymore and you've been kicking yourself about and you've been, you've been putting yourself under self-condemnation and a pity party, I'm going to tell you the secret to being a victor sometimes is not picking up a sword and cutting the enemy's head off, it's outlasting him. Boy, don't that make you feel good. You know, uh, how many of y'all are Jerry Clower fans? Raise your hand. Okay. What was it that Marcel said when he climbed up the tree and he was trying to throw out the borcoon? Shoot up here amongst us. One of us got to have some relief. Okay. A lot of y'all climb that tree every day. You live there. Matter of fact, you got a tree house and the Borkoon's living with you. And he ain't going nowhere and you ain't went nowhere. You can't come down because he won't turn loose of you. And he can't get away because he likes it. He likes a good challenge. And you've been living in this tree you know what? We're still there. Still there. And I got some good news for you. Regardless of how you have failed and screwed up, regardless of how you think that the, the circumstances of your life is the hand of a judging, angry, mad God, regardless of how you think that you have so fouled up that he's standing up there with a rolling pin whopping you at every opportunity and laughing about it. Regardless of how you think you've screwed it up, and all of it's your fault. And that's why you're going through all this. I got some news for you. There is another side of that coin. He wants you to have life. And he wants you to have it more abundantly. He wants you to have energy. He wants you to have faith. He wants you to be a blessing to people. He wants you to be blessed. And part of the pathway through that is simply outlasting the enemy. Because see, his days are numbered. Yours aren't. You think about that the next time you tangle with the borcoon. At some point, he's going to exit the tree. If you cut his food off, if you stop feeding that furry, fur-balled, thief-painted pilfer. <laughs> you know how you feed him? You feed him on pity parties. And complaining. How else do you feed him? Let's get into this thing now. Come on. What? Arguing with, oh my, you get involved in a conversation with the Borkoon. We've learned to talk coon pretty good, haven't we? How else? How else? Fear, oh gosh. Worry. What else? Huh? Agreeing with you. Making an agreement with the enemy. Oh, do you know how high up that is on God's list of things he hates? What else? 
start going cooning with the hoon, you start acting like a coon. Yeah. We philander with the enemy. We come into union with the enemy and we forget our identity in Christ and we forget who we are. Pardon? We invite his friends up. More coons, y'all come up. We got plenty of room. Lots of food. You know? The email gets on his computer and he uses coon mail, coon.net. Y'all come, sends out a mass mailing, an e blast to all his little friends. And they bring their babies and their aunts and their uncles and their cousins. Cut his food off. Stop feeding the little rascal. Because there's somebody who's about to do something for you. I'm going to share something with you. Book of Hosea, second chapter. <laughs> Last church I pastored before this one, I preached out of the book of Hosea. A few months. I did. Read Hosea and you'll see how good they felt. I had something I had to tell them. And it took a long time to tell them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I need to be delivered from some of that. But you've know, you got to have some sense of humor in this or you'll go absolutely stark raving mad. Hosea chapter 2. Now this is immediately on the heels of God talking about Israel playing the harlot like Gomer, Hosea's wife, had been a harlot. You see, God called this prophet to marry a whore. Now when he married this whore, all kinds of hellish stuff broke out in Hosea's life, including people looking at the consequences and the situations of his life and just knowing he was a reprobate and an apostate. Knowing he was a false prophet because... No man of God would marry a prostitute. And this, listen, I'm going to just, here, here's some relief for you. Okay, here's some relief for you. I'm just going to say this. Most of us, and, and, and I'm not talking about in the physical now, don't get mad at me. Don't throw your Bible. When I say what I'm going to say, this is an allegory. Okay, it's an allegory. Y'all know what an allegory is? Kind of like a parable. You know what a parable is? It's an illustration from the natural that has a spiritual implication. So here's an allegory. It is true that in our problems and in our situations and in our circumstances, we, most of us, have married a whore. That's what brings on a lot of our problems. We marry the whore of the world and we go to bed with her. And we love on her and we let her love on us and we get caught up in her charms and I'm glad the kids are not in here. We got one. But he can't understand. But it's okay. And we reap the consequences of that. It causes us to stop receiving and to stop hearing. That's what it does, technically. And it saps the life out of us when we marry a whore. And so God now, He's, he's likening, in, in Hosea 1 and 2, He's likening Israel to, um, to the harlot, the one who married uh, Jose, Hosea, her name was Gomer. And so all of a sudden, on the turn of a dime, watch this, on the turn of a dime, God changes his verbiage. Hosea chapter 2. And it, I mean, uh, Hosea chapter, I mean, chapter 2, verse 14. In verse 13, he's talking about punishing her. 
for the days of the Baals to which she burned incense. There's a connection there between the church at Sardis because they were speaking the names of Baals. Okay? That's what they were doing. So there's a connection there between what was going on at Sardis and Israel is the picture here. But watch verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. This is God talking. Will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfort to her. I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. She shall sing there as in the days of her youth and in the day when she came up from the land of Egypt. I'm going to read that with an interpretation for you. Verse 15, I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of trouble as a door of hope. Acor means trouble. So God is saying that the valley of trouble is going to be used as a door to spring her into not only her proper relationship with with her her bridegroom, but it's also going to springboard her into receiving the covenant blessings that he's laid up for her. And I'm not going to read all this, but I want you to read the rest of the chapter. Because what you will find is this, is that Gomer, instead of receiving all the judgment that her whoredoms would require from the standpoint of the law, she received mercy and grace from the Lord. Now I want to pull these two things together for you. You simply need to overcome. You need to get your life back. You need to be watchful. And you need to be steadfast, but you need to repent too. I need to repent. I got to thinking this week, I said, you know, God said, uh, all the stuff that's happened to me, all the stuff I do on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a month, but all the activities of life, all this, the, the, the compiled sum of everything I do. I'm a pretty good boy. How many of y'all said that? I'm a pretty good boy or girl. You know, anybody been there? I've been there recently. I said, you know, God, feel pretty good about myself. He said, I don't feel good about you too much sometimes. So why not? He said, because of this and this and this and this and this. I said, oh, yes, I need to repent. The whole point is, is when God came to Sardis and he said, you need to do this and this and this and this, and you need to repent. The thing is, if they did that, and if they became watchful and vigilant and all this other stuff, they just simply began to, to outlast the enemy. He said, I'm going to give you a white road. Part of the mix of all that is repentance. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna, with, with, with every bit of friendship I can, I can tell you today, with every bit of friendship I can muster, and every bit of love I can get up, a lot of times we think, and it just happens this way, maybe it doesn't happen to you. Because you might be part of the remnant that's wearing the right robe already, and now I think some of you are. But I'm going to tell you, the way it happens with me, a lot of times I just get so high and mighty, and the events and the, and the things in my life just, just, just pile up and get to the place where I 
don't realize I'm, I've stopped receiving and I've stopped hearing. And when that happens, that's sin. I call that collateral sin. You know, it's just, you have all these things we talked about a while ago. You know, you stop believing. Your faith grows weak. You begin to entertain thoughts in your mind. All these little collateral things get up and I need to repent. You need to do that too. I remember Vaughn saying one time, he said, you know, he was talking about uh, repentance or saying I'm sorry. He said, you know, he said, I've said I'm sorry to people that uh, I really didn't have any reason to say I'm sorry for, he said, but it helped the situation. And I'm not trying to be cute or fancy here, but I'm telling you, sometimes we need to go to God and say, God, I'm just sorry. Because I, I don't feel the way I need to feel. Something's just ex- not exactly, and I can't put my finger on it, but it must be from the collateral in the wagon I pull every day, all that stuff. Lord, I, just, I need to repent, Lord. I just, I'm sorry for, for the things I've done and my attitude and the way I entertain the enemy and da-da-da-da-da. And if you start going through that process, you'll find pretty quick there's some very specific things the Lord wants to get out of you. With every bit of friendship I can have to you, I'm telling you now. And I'm looking at every single one of you when I say this. Your best thing to do to allow you to overcome and to hang in there and outlast the enemy, you best be repenting and you best start now. I'm not funny. Let me tell you why. It's because our world is changing. The world that you live in is changing and you are not equipped with all your stuff to deal with the things that's coming after the first of the year. And if you think, if you're sitting there and you've got a kind of smug attitude, you're in for a rude awakening because something's going to hit you like a tidal wave and you're going to be totally unprepared for it. So you best get to repenting. I'm saying this in friendship. I'm just telling you, you know, I got you know, I'm just delivering the mail here. I do it with a smile. But I'm dead serious. Because I believe unrepentant sin is a certificate for death. Look at Sardis. They hadn't repented, and guess what? They were dead. They thought they were alive, but they were dead. I have no interest. You hear me now. I have no interest in being part of a church that thinks it's alive and it's dead. I have no interest in being associated with or in relationship with anybody who thinks they're alive, but they're dead. And I need to apologize to you because for probably, maybe not this, maybe not so much this past year, but the year before, I brought a lot of baggage. Okay? We've talked about this before. I want to apologize to you because I was not I was not alive like I should be. I was pretty much dead half the time. And there was one person in this church that I didn't even want, I didn't want, I didn't want to hear them talk because they had, they had a faith talk going on. <laughs> and so positive and full of energy. won't call any names, but <laughs> didn't want to be around them because they were so positive and had such faith and Believe, you know, and I didn't because I was, to a large extent, dead. But I appreciate that time because it was one of the things that kept me going. And so I'm going to needle the snot out of you 
I'm going to do it with a smile. But I'm telling you now, when I'm smiling at you, if you don't get on your knees and you don't repent, (laughs) I'm smiling. The door of reality is going to crash around you like what has crashed around me in the last two years. And you think you're going through something now? Let me tell you something. I can testify. But you know what? And I know you're not supposed to use yourself as an example, but this is part of my testimony. I'm outlasting him. He is not, that boar coon is not welcome in my tree anymore. I have officially kicked him out. He ain't come, he ain't, he ain't live with me anymore. It's this done, it's over. I'm not playing with the coon anymore. You can play with your coon if you want to. You can have babies all over the place. Go ahead. Play with it. God is looking for a people who are transparent and real enough and tender enough. Say, God, I just I'm, I'm sorry, I've been wrong about a lot of things. These are the things I know, and there's a whole bunch of stuff over here I don't know. And you've got to do some business with the Lord. And I'm just going to be, because if you don't, I'm just going to tell you. Um, you'll live your life in a tree. There'll be no room for you on the ground to walk with the Lord. You can't walk with the Lord in a darn tree. Now, y'all hearing what I'm telling you? This is coming from right here, because I know that we are strengthening the things which remain here. A lot of y'all need to be strengthened. A lot of y'all are giving strength to me, but a lot of you need to be strengthened and you're denying. It's absolute and total self-denial. Oh, I'm, I can, I'm strong. I can take it. I can do it. I can outlast, overcome, outwit. I watched that show on Thursday night too. But you know, every once in a while, them folks get blindsided, backdoored, and that sort of thing. If you're not careful, if you have a smug, I'm going to tell you, I'm, 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 I'm telling you, what's, what's today's date? What's the number on it? Five. How many more days left in December? 27? How many? If you let many days into next year transpire and you hadn't done some business with the Lord and gotten your attitude straight, I'm just going to tell you, you're going to be in an unrecoverable position. We are strengthening the things which remain here. Because you know what 2009 is going to bring? 2009 is actually going to bring an expansion. I've heard from the Lord on this. Did you know that... Are we, are we so wonderful that we are exempt from the things that happen to the world? No. There's some ministries in 2009 going to fall to the ground with a big crash and a pile of smoke. We have the choice right here tonight as to whether we're with that group or whether we're not with that group. And I'm not saying this to scare you or to frighten you, but I'm telling you, I believe I've heard from the Lord on this. A lot of ministries 
starting some few months back, their revenues have been cut in half, 60%, 75%, because ordinarily what happens is in hard economic times, people start, they, they stop tithing and stop offering because they put it in other places that they think they need it worse. And so generally speaking, uh, money is not flowing into a lot of mega ministries today because of the economic conditions that pervade our country. A lot of ministries are coming down. I believe I've heard from the Lord on, on this next aspect of it. That's not going to happen here. It's not going to happen. Because we have a mandate on this ministry to expand in 2009. And there wouldn't be a mandate to expand if the provision was not going to be there. But the provision is not going to be there until we get our business straight. I'm going to read, I'm going to read you a, um, an email. Actually, it's one of them Blackberry things. Y'all got any, you know, you, well, anyhow. It's from Nathan Scott. Y'all remember Nathan who came here with uh, Bill Perry a few months ago and who um, recommended us to the uh, Morningstar people to be a Morningstar Fellowship Church? Remember, remember Nathan, the ball-headed dude? Good afternoon, MFC pastors. There have been a couple of key issues which have emerged in our uh, Northeast Roundtable. That's a prophetic roundtable this past week. One is the available grace to release offenses and bitterness so that our eyes are clear to see his purpose in this season. Read that again. One is the available grace to release offenses and bitterness so that our eyes are clear to see his purpose in this season. The other is our privilege to be in a position to open doors of hope in the valley of troubling, Hosea 2.15. We are inviting all our pastors to join us on Sunday morning in releasing this message in whatever form the Lord gives you. We believe this could affect a powerful release because of our agreement. Grace to you, Morning Star Fellowship. Guess what? We got a head start. We're leading the way on this thing. Just like we've led the way in some other things. We're leading the way on this. This message and this word has been released. There is grace in this hour to release bitterness and offenses that will allow us to go forward in this season. And there's grace in this hour for us to be, us to be, an integral part of opening a door of hope to others in the midst of their trouble. How many of y'all had trouble this year? Raise your hand. I want to see it. Okay, almost 100%. I'll, 200% here. By virtue of you still being here and still standing and by virtue of the fact that you're, you're just simply outlasting and by virtue of the fact that you recognize your sinfulness and you're not afraid and embarrassed to go before the Lord and say, I'm sorry, by virtue of that, you are in a position to be a door of hope to those who are coming. What about that? That is one of the rewards of your horrendous situation you've been in. You, somebody's going to come to you and they're going to be hurting, they're going to be down, they're going to be depressed, they're going to be suicidal, they're going to be this, they're going to be that, they're going to be the other. And they're going to start pouring all this stuff out to you. And you're going to be able to look them in the eyes and you're going to be able to share with them the principles of the Lord and His grace that will allow them to walk through a door of hope that had previously not been there because you've been in the valley of trouble. Thank you, God. 
I like it. I didn't a while back, but I like it now. Each one of us as individuals have got to get our business straight. Pretense has got to be lost. I have to, when it comes to what I receive in my mind, not only from the enemy, but from the Lord, I've got to know how to turn the valve to get rid of what I don't need and catch what I do need. Okay? That's what I need. And please, for, for, for the love of Jesus, don't come to me after this over and say, well, Pastor, my situation is different because da-da-da-da. You know what? I don't care about your situation and trying to make excuses for it. You know what? Because nobody listened when mine was there either. Ha-ha. How about that? Don't enable it. I'm not going to enable you. You say, Pastor, you're paving a road of kind of hardness for me. No, I'm not. I'm going, to be, I'm going to be honest with you again. A lot of you are on the road to enablement because you like it. It's your comfort zone. It's where, you, where you've always been, and so therefore it's where you're always going to be. When you're on the road to enablement, you never change. When I'm on the road to enablement, I never change. I'm going to tell you one thing. My wife loves me with all her heart, and she's the best thing that's ever happened to me since Jesus. I'm going to tell you, that woman don't enable me. I tell you, when I come to her with my particular attitudes and issues, I don't get petted and stroked. I don't. And you know what? We've got several pastors in the church, and we love you, and we appreciate you, and you're good to us, and you're good for us. But I'm going to tell you something. The days of enablement are over. It's time the bridegroom pulled up her dress and showed her combat boots. Or maybe, maybe, maybe spikes, you know, just spikes. Just, by God, just to dig in and hold on. You know, I ain't going anywhere. But you know what? Because you're here, there's a testimony to one thing. You haven't quit yet. And so the final one thing I want to tell you today is just by virtue of you being present on a Friday night when it's cold in the wintertime, in the fall of the year, and listen to us wild and crazy people by virtue of the fact that you're sitting here. You're overcoming. You're further along in the battle than you think you are. But you can get along a lot quicker if you do this stuff in Revelation 3, what the church of Sardis was commanded to do. Don't try to tell me or don't try to tell the Lord that your situation is different because it is not. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. Okay, so you're not in this elite league or category by yourself. So what do we do now? What do we do? How do we respond to this? Respond right now by making a mental decision not to go back mentally and emotionally where you've been. Make a decision. I'm going to tell you, A lot of preachers and stuff talk about, you know, make a decision from your heart. Just out of your spirit, make a decision. Out of your heart, do this. You know what the Word says? The heart is desperately wicked above all things. 
You know where you got to catch this stuff? You got to catch it here. Because if you don't catch it here, this is where it winds up. And when it gets here, I'm going to tell you, you've got a lot harder problem getting rid of it when it's here than you do whenever it comes in up here. It's a lot easier job. So what do we do? Well, it starts right here. Right now, where you are, make your decision. Because there's going to be a call to commitment coming forth, not only from this house, but there's going to be a call for commitment coming from lots of different ministries and churches. It's going to be like a clarion in the coming days. We've allowed ourselves to be lazy. We've given ourselves excuse. We've not approached the stewardship of what God has given us in the proper manner. We've actually despised the gift of the Lord and thought we were liking it, but we've despised it because we didn't handle it properly. You know, I hold one of what I consider to be. I hold and I am the beneficiary of one of the highest callings that a man or a woman could receive. Yeah. I'm going to tell you flat like it is. From my mother's belly, I was called to be an apostle. Scary, ain't it? From my mama's belly. That one right there, he got it too. That right there. I have not respected that call, nor have I dispensed of my duties as I should. I'm confessing this to you now. A lot of y'all knew it already. You just didn't tell me. Some of y'all told me. I appreciate you for that. Didn't like it when you did, but I appreciate it now. But I received a high calling. And I haven't dispensed of my duties, nor have I carried out my function as I should. And I'm going to tell you something. If you've been called to any ministry, if you have ever, for one moment, felt like you've been called to a ministry and you've tried to walk in it. You've had opposition. But if you feel yourself moving more and more and more toward ministry and ministering, you're going to have, you have to do your very best to avoid that pitfall. Now, I have come up short in a lot of areas. And I've watched people down through the years try to take up a ministry and it just kind of falter and fail and not work. I don't want that to happen to you. That's what we're going to try to avoid. You know, we have proclaimed ourselves... I don't know what time it is, and I know I'm probably over, and I apologize, but there's some things I just... I got to say here, and I got to say now, because we're going to go on from this. I've seen people not walk in what they're called to do. I've seen people start and stop. I've seen people commit and then uncommit. Some of y'all. Okay, now, I'm on the podium here. I'm the poster boy for not following through on commitment or dispensing of duties properly. I'm the poster child. But there are people in this house who've done the same thing. You've got to make a decision now. You don't make it for me. You've got to look to Jesus. He's the one who saved you. I have, I have shamed my master so many times. Brought... Trouble on myself because I've not done what I'm supposed to do. I want you to be spared from that. 
I want you to get it straight up here. And then right here, if you, if you start getting it straight up here, then, then, then God can deal with this. But I have been far less than perfect. I appreciate you putting up with me. Because most people would not. Hence, this is not the first church I've pastored. Now, what I have said, it, 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 it may make you feel bad. It may make you feel like you've got a long way to go, but I'm going to tell you, you don't. <laughs> That's the glory of this. You don't. Spare, spare yourself from years of disappointment and frustration. Spare yourself. Get your business straight, starting now, and walk into the glorious beauty of your destiny. See, I've paved the way, littered with mistakes. I made excuses for myself, but starting from henceforth, like right here, there's a line, I ain't crossing that one again. And what I'm telling you tonight, there's, there's a change been made in me. I am not going to accept anything less than my best efforts to fulfill my calling uh, the call of God on my life, and I am not going to accept anything less from you either. Because you know what? Jesus won't. And that's just simple. And I'm telling you this with a smile on my face because I love you, because I'm going to tell you all something. There's, there's something coming after the first of the year where if we're not positioned right, And I'm not talking about the inauguration of our president-elect either. I'm going to tell you, the battle lines have been drawn and the forces are set now. The word of God and prophecy is, is about to be true. And we have got to be where we need to be. Am I, am I making sense? And I'm not talking gloom and doom and and, and, and world destruction and that sort of thing. I'm talking, y'all, there is a spiritual dynamic that's been set in place that is absolutely going to, to con- it's going to, it's, it's, it's going to manifest itself in the coming months. And we've got to be ready. Every, every single department in this church has got to be ready. Every, every kids group, every, every kid unit the nursery, the bookstore, the, the, the music ministry, everything has got to be ready. And I'm telling you this by what I know in here. So what do we do? Well, we can get frustrated and quit, I guess. Yeah, that's, I guess that's always an option. Or we can do something about it. We can do something about it. And so I just bless you in Jesus' name. Do something about it. Repent first. Be watchful. Do this stuff. Read, read what I've been talked about. Do it. And wear that white robe. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all come see us.